The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. Your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Megan Kelly, welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. And boy, do we have good news for you. It may be Friday the 13th, but this is your lucky day. On the show today, we are focusing on how to help you take ownership of your health and feel your best this summer and ideally shed five pounds by Memorial Day. <laughs> I mean, it's a start, right? It's a goal. Hashtag goals. There's a lot going on in the world right now, but it's important to take a break from the news cycle every once in a while and just take care of yourself. How are you supposed to manage all the nonsense coming your way if you don't feel well, if you don't look good, if you don't feel good about how you look? With us now to provide a roadmap for getting your nutrition and exercise routine in gear. And I have to tell you, just reading up on this segment made me feel more devoted to like, okay, come on, stop being lazy. And, and I want to go to the grocery store right after this show. At two o'clock, we're all going to the grocery store um, and we're going to get new ingredients and we'll go through it. Uh, so I think you're going to feel that inspiration by the time the show is done. And here to help us do that, two New York Times bestselling authors and health experts. Dr. Kate Shanahan is a physician, biochemist, and author of Deep Nutrition, Why Your Genes Need Traditional Food. She also created the pro-nutrition program for the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. And Mark Sisson is also here. He's a competitive track athlete who spent years as a marathon runner before entering the nutrition and health space. Mark is a fitness author, founder of Primal Kitchen Foods and Supplements. By the way, I need to order their salad dressing, Abby. <laughs> and author of The Primal Blueprint, reprogramming your genes for effortless weight loss, vibrant health, and boundless energy. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh generation. Find seventh generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com. Kate and Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting us. 
So, Mark, I say the um, salad dressing because I know my, my team said, what do you eat in a typical day? And I was, of course, very interested in this. And I could do it all except the one thing that wasn't on my ingredient list in my kitchen was your salad dressing. So I'm like, OK, I can, I can be like Mark if I just order that. <laughs> all right, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, all right. So here we are. I was looking at the calendar. We don't have three weeks to Memorial Day. We've got about two and change, two weeks to Memorial Day. And everybody starts to think about Memorial Day as the official, official kickoff to summer. We have to start thinking about our bodies, which is good. It's good because it necessarily sort of dovetails with our wellness and what are we putting in our mouths and what are we doing to move and all that. So we're going to get into all of it. But overall, let me start with you, Kate, um, on this. Should we be thinking about jumpstarting a diet right now if we want to lose five to 10 pounds? Let's just start with something manageable like that. Should we be thinking about a diet or should we just be thinking about a way of eating, like a way of life? If you want to lose weight, you really should start and realistically start with thinking about how you're eating, thinking about your nutrition and think about your metabolism, because there's a reason you gained weight in the first place. And, and that probably, I mean, unless you know, oh gosh, I, I totally overdid it. Most people feel like I don't really understand why I gained so much weight or why it happened so quickly. And that's because most people have issues with their metabolism where they're not able to burn their body fat the way nature intended. And that's a serious, serious issue that makes weight loss with just a, a rapid weight, weight loss diet, a total setup for yo-yo dieting. And it's mm. not just bad for your health, it's demoralizing. So I, I always like to help people to frame it up that we want it to be like a long-term thing. It's great that you want to look good in your bikini, but it's, it's more important to be well in your bikini and Mickey in your bikini and feel better. And you know, you, if you really want to get healthy, the goal is how you feel much more than first and foremost, how you look. Sounds amazing. I mean, we're all worried about our metabolism and would love it to be a little faster. Everybody I know, especially people who are now like me in their fifties and you can feel it slow down, you know, for sure. I can feel it slow down, not allowed to eat as much, but I still want to. It's so, it's so hard. I'm still so hungry all the time, but I know it's slow because the same amount of intake every day produces weight gain where it didn't before. So it's just sad. It's just sad, Kate. Well, let me tell you something that, that is actually good news is it is kind of, there's a lot of myths around weight loss and metabolism. And it is actually a myth that your metabolism even has speeds. And what you expressed is exactly what made people think, just assume that their metabolism has speeds is because it feels like it's harder to lose weight and it's become easier to gain, but it has to do with uh, your ability to burn your body fat, which is something related to metabolic flexibility, which is something that um, I'm sure Mark can speak to that as well. Just it means that you need to be able to burn your body fat easily between meals, because if you're hungry, uh, you know, between meals, if you get hungry between meals and you feel like you need to snack, that is a red flag. It's a red flag that you're not burning your body fat because if you want to lose weight, then going between meals should be your best friend. You should be burning your body fat, but most people are not. And they're not because their metabolism is damaged by this stuff in our diet that we're all eating in massive quantities called seed oils. 
that nobody has told you are bad for you. I'm so into the seed oil discussion. We are 100% spending a bunch of time on that because I feel like, okay, elimination of just the choice of a certain food, that's that's easy, right? You don't have to get rid of all oils, but there are certain oils we're eating that we shouldn't be. But let me ask you about that, Mark, because when I, when I looked at the Mark diet, one thing I did notice was um, there are no snacks on there. So to Kate's point, is that hard? Because I, I will say for me, and I think it's probably because I'm not eating the right stuff, it is very hard for me not to snack between lunch and dinner. And like you, I'm an intermittent faster. I know you don't eat before noon or 1230. So I breakfast isn't really on the menu for me most days, although some days I have it. Uh, anyway, snacking is really hard for me to avoid. So how are you? Are You don't have that problem? You go right from lunch to dinner without having hunger? Uh, yes, I, I do that. And you know, to fill in a little bit of what uh, Kate said, this this concept of metabolic flexibility really is the holy grail of not just weight loss, but health. If you can develop metabolic flexibility, if you can train your body through choices of food that you eat and types of exercise that you choose to do, if you can train your body to become metabolically flexible, you can train it to derive energy from whatever substrate happens to be available. So if you eat a meal and there's carbohydrate in that, you can burn the carbohydrates as glucose or as glycogen in your muscles. Uh, you can burn the fat in that meal, or you can burn the stored body fat when you choose not to eat. So metabolic flexibility is when you achieve kind of that, that state, you are now uh, able to go longer periods of time without eating, which includes not needing to snack. So um, this, this, you, you mentioned um, intermittent fasting. I call it a compressed eating window. Um, some people call it intermittent eating, but it's basically hmm. this idea that that when you're metabolically flexible, when you're burning fat, when you're deriving energy from your own body fat stores, and that's magical because then you're burning off your body fat, you're literally using it as fuel, which is what it was intended to do. Then um, the biggest um, issue of all starts to dissipate, and that is hunger, appetite, and cravings. Once your body knows that it can get energy from stored body fat and not have to rely on a fresh supply of calories every two or three hours, your body seamlessly goes into this mode of burning stored body fat without a shift in blood sugar, without getting hangry, without a, 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 a mood swings or any of the other sort of um, symptoms that people complain about when they skip a meal. Hmm. So it's, it's now what we're getting into is, okay, how, you know, how do we uh, arrive at this metabolically yeah. flexible body? Yes. How do we and teach a, our bodies this very important skill? Of course, but it's, and it's like good news, bad news, right? The good news is, well, I'll, I'll start with the bad. The bad news is you got to do the work, right? You, you're okay. going to have to eliminate certain foods. You're going to have to um, orchestrate a way of eating uh, that, uh, you know, that may be different from what you're used to. The good news is it's very easy if you know the right tools, if you have the right strategy, it's easy. Um, it's delicious. I mean, you don't have to really sacrifice taste or flavor for any of this. And, and, and over time, what happens is you, because you're eating now more nutrient dense foods, uh, as opposed to the, um, you know, the, the highly caloric dense foods without nutrition that most people in, in this country are consuming, the body then says, I'm, I'm, I've got all of the, um, all the macronutrients I need. I've got all the fat, protein, and carbohydrate. I've got all the micronutrition I need. I don't need to eat every couple of hours. And so the first thing that really I find uh, disappears is this need to snack between meals. And that's kind of step one of this notion that in order to 
get rid of our stored body fat in order to lose weight, which is what you know most people will will describe it as, we need to burn off the the body fat that we've stored over the years as a result of eating too much food, simply eating too much food. How do you, how, like, as a practical matter, how do you, do you train your body to, to eat the fat that's on your body as opposed to whatever fuel you've put in your body? Because if you eat, let's say, breakfast or you eat lunch, that food takes a while to digest. That energy is in your body. So isn't your body necessarily going to eat that fuel that fuel first, those carbs, those proteins, those fats before it goes to your body fat. Like I always wonder, how do I make it get to the body fat and and get past the food that I had to put in there, Mark? Um, Well, you have to you have to withhold some of those energy substrates. You have to decide either not to eat, like to skip a meal once in a while too too fast Uh, or there's a diet based around the ketogenic principle. So you, and, and I've written a couple of books on the keto diet, um, which is a way of training your body to become what we call fat adapted. So once you withhold carbohydrate and now you're telling your body, Hey, you're not going to be getting all of the glucose that we've been feeding you every two or three hours for the last 20 or 30 or 50 years. Now we're going to have to go into plan B, which everybody has this, this blueprint in their body. Everybody has the ability to build the metabolic machinery to be better at burning fat. We just never give it the opportunity. So that's part of that work that I'm talking about. There are no real hacks around this. You will have to, in order to develop metabolic flexibility, you will have have to selectively remove certain things from your diet. It may be, and, and I think most of us know, removing sugars is probably appropriate for just about everybody. We eat way too much sugar. Um, I would say removing starchy uh, processed carbohydrates, mostly processed grains, uh, pies, cakes, cookies, crackers, cereals, things like that. Remove them. And as Kate alluded earlier, you come down to um, a list of very healthy and natural foods, meat, fish, fowl, eggs, nuts, seeds, vegetables, some fruit, some starchy tubers. Uh, And over time, when the brain gets the notion that you're not going to be delivering it fresh glucose every two or three hours, breakfast, a snack, lunch, a snack, dinner, and a, and a, and a midnight snack. Um, the body has all of these amazing genetic switches that it turns on that says, okay, we're going to get ready to burn more fat. We never had to before now, but now we're going to get ready to burn more of the stored body fat and call upon those reserves, those energy reserves that we've been building up for years and, and, and burn those um, instead of the plate on the food. So when you say, um, you know, how do you train your body to burn the fat as opposed to the breakfast? I say, don't eat the breakfast. If you wake up in the morning and you're not hungry, there's no reason to eat breakfast. Breakfast is, you know, it's been sold as the most important meal of the day. Uh, It's not. Uh, And most of the people who get into uh, this idea of uh, metabolic flexibility or a compressed eating window will say, if I, if, I, if I wake up with all the energy I need, why would I need to eat? This is an opportunity for my body to get 500 calories from body fat between now and the first meal I have at maybe lunch or, or one o'clock, noon or one o'clock. Mm. Okay. But now I know, and I know you write a lot about this too, about plateauing, Kate, because I will say that 
and I, I want to get stay broad, but I'll just as a quick um, aside, I've been an intermittent faster for a while and it worked great in the beginning to take off, you know, just the extra flab here and there. And I've never been one of those like bone skinny people, but well, thin, you know, fine. I was fine with and I'm still fine with where I am. But then I do think I sort of plateaued. And even now, if I go hardcore on the fat on the intermittent fasting, you know, because I'll cheat. I'll have like a couple crackers, which I know you're not supposed to do, whatever. But let's say it's summer's coming. I so I, I go hardcore. It's not changing anything. I think I'm I'm a plateauer. And I know you've dealt with that issue. Yes, actually, uh, quite a bit. It's one of the most frustrating things that people run into. And there's always a reason for it. And I usually like to, you know, just back up and give you the big picture of getting back to what we were talking about with, uh, with snacking, snacking trains your metabolism for you to want more snacks. So it's a incredibly dangerous habit because mm. people don't realize how many calories they actually consume when they're wandering around going, Oh, I'll just have a little bit of this. And I'll just have a little bit of that. And, um, Many people ha- doing that have two or three times more calories, so 200, 400, 600 more calories just from these little snacks that they pick up. And that is why I say there is no such thing as a healthy snack uh, because it's not a healthy habit. Even if you're eating a healthy food during your snack, it, the habit of snacking is not healthy because snacking trains your metabolism to wait for you to get another snack instead of doing what it should do, which is burning your body fat. Mm. But the other thing I want to go to the fat on on my body. Don't like go to my thighs. Don't wait for the carrots or the beef jerky. If you've been eating seed oils, the fat that's in your body fat has changed because of that. And, and this is why I wrote a different book, an entirely different book also um, for weight loss called The Fat Burn Fix, because I realized at a certain point in my career, I realized that what people had been telling me about their struggles with weight, um, what, you know, like I understood that it, was, it wasn't making sense to them and it wasn't making sense to me either. They would say, I hardly eat anything and I'm not losing weight. I work out all the time and it used to work, but now it doesn't anymore. Something is wrong with my metabolism. And I realized, yeah, there is something wrong with your metabolism. It took me quite a bit to figure out exactly what, but what it was, was that their body fat was damaged by all these seed oils. So mm. seed oils are things like soy and corn. And do you want me to list out what they are? Yes, because these are the devil. Like mean? people should know <laughs> Dr. Kate feels that seed oils are the devil and that if we can stop eating them and she's got good alternatives, it's going to be so much easier for us to lose weight. So this is actually really important. It's not just about oh, this is not as heart healthy. It's about these are undermining your ability to lose weight and feel great. Okay, go ahead. These, I call them the hateful eight because there's eight of them. There's three C's, corn, canola, cottonseed, three S's, soy, sunflower, safflower, and G and Y, like uh, sometimes uh, Y, <laughs> grapeseed and, and rice bran with the vowels. So there's eight of them. Everybody should memorize at least the first six because those are in 95% of the products with an ingredients list that you buy in the typical grocery store even if you shop at fancy grocery stores, the upscale ones. 
um, like Trader Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, to name names, if we can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, let me just let me just repeat what you said: canola, corn, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, safflower, grapeseed, rice bran. What did I miss? I think I'm at seven. Did I miss one? I, th- I thought you got eight. Corn, okay. canola, okay. cottonseed, soy, okay. sunflower, safflower. I, I I did make up a little song for it, but um, well, yes, I probably don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so if corn, canola, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, safflower, please carefully, 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 carefully read labels and avoid all of these. <laughs> I, I'm not a good singer, but the, I can handle row, row your boat. <laughs> Look how she cares, audience. Look how she cares about us. She did it. I appreciate that. All right. So those, you don't want those. I noticed that olive oil is not on the list. I mean, is olive oil, you don't, do you like olive oil? Because that's what most people use. Olive oil is a traditional oil in Italy. Ask anyone from, uh, you know, Italy or Greece or most of the, uh, not the Middle East. What do they call that? Somewhere in the Mediterranean. Thank mm-hmm. you. I've never been there. But um, yeah, so all of those Mediterranean uh, cuisines, they rely heavily on olive oil. Olive oil has been used uh, for many, many thousands of years. And the reason that's important is because people cultivate what they want. So we've cultivated olives that are high in fat. And that has so many benefits. Not only is the fat itself healthy and full of vitamins, when you do first press olive oil, you're getting all of those vitamins and you're getting the, the healthiest form of oil, but it's been cultivated to be so rich in it that you just need gentle pressing with a stone. That's a traditional way that they did it. Gentle pressing, no factory required to get out a whole bunch of great tasting oil. So that history is really important. And you're going to find, if you go to my website and look at my list of the good fats and the bad, that it's the traditional fats that are on the good list. And that includes I saw coconut. lard is on there. I was like, lard? How can lard be better than sunflower oil? <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't sound right. I know. It's crazy. Actually, it took me uh, four years before I was comfortable even saying the word lard, like without yes. like apologizing for it, because <laughs> it was just like a, like a four letter word, right? In yeah. the American language. Um, but um, but yeah, it is a traditional traditional we we've cultivated pigs to be fatty pigs we've we've bred them for so many thousands of generations of pigs that they are they're like we bred them literally to be a little like walking butter sticks you know like walking mm-hmm. little butter balls um and they <laughs> uh they are they are basically a huge source of healthy fat for people all over the globe because pigs made their way all over the, all over the globe. So yes, lard is a healthy fat. And, uh, you know, the reason that these things are not toxic has to do with the fatty acid composition. And that's like chemistry that we don't necessarily need to get into, but understanding the fatty acid composition is key really to ultimately becoming to understand the difference between fats that are healthy that sustain your energy between meals that make not snacking be like your default because mm. you don't get hungry you don't get hangry when you your body fat your body fat stores these fatty acids and that's why it's so it was essential for me to understand this chemical difference in the way our body processes these different fatty acids 
um, in order to be able to explain what was happening, truly happening to people's metabolisms, and that it wasn't slowing down. It was just losing its efficiency. It was mm-hmm. not able to efficiently go, as Mark was saying, from burning the calories in the food that you just last ate to snap immediately into releasing your body fat from storage and burning that. And when that happens to you, you feel like weight loss is a bigger struggle because you feel bad when you're burning your body fat. You need to burn your body fat to lose weight, but what's in your body fat is from those toxic seed oils. And that starts to make your cells dysfunction. So you start to feel kind of tired or cranky. You get brain fog, you get hangry. We have so many people using the word hangry now, and it wasn't even a word. Like when I was in school, Mark, like, did you ever hear that word when you were growing up? Only in the last 10 years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) This is so, I can, I can relate to all of this. You're saying it's because it's basically, it's like we had on a guest recently explaining to us how mercury can stay in your cells. And, you know, some say, oh, no, it'll go, it'll, it'll leave. But no, it might be lurking in there and you could get sick from it for a long, long time. That's kind of what you're saying about these bad oils. They're in there. And when we're telling the body, eat the fat, eat the fat, it's, it's eating the fat, but the fat is kind of toxic and that's making us feel bad. So if we can make our fat healthier, we'll enjoy the non-eating periods more. They won't be quite as hard. They'll actually be glorious because what happens when you go long enough between meals is that your liver starts chopping up the big fats into little tiny special things called ketones, which are your brain's favorite fuel. They actually energize you. And when you get to this state, you feel so energetic. You feel better. You feel like I don't want to eat. And that is why the, 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 having a healthy metabolism and a flexible metabolism is the key to truly effortless weight loss. It's actually the only key. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of drugs you could take and all kinds of people promising this or that supplement, but really the key is optimizing your metabolic health so that your, 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 uh, liver will produce ketones for your brain and your that lean, takes mean, a while fat burning a while. machine okay now i want yes. to say that you you yeah. like the following oils you say eat these instead avocado butter fats uh, avocado butter coconut duck fat ghee lard which we covered olive peanut tallow sesame flax walnut almond and macadamia nut anything that says cold pressed and this is critical everybody unrefined. It has to say unrefined. But here's my question to you. So all of us can do that. You know, when I'm cooking dinner tonight, I can definitely use lard. It'll be fun to buy that at the store. Um, or But I have olive oil, so I can do that. But you're, you've raised a bigger point, which is virtually everything in your pantry has already got all the bad stuff in it. Like, don't go in your pantry. I mean, it's funny because I'll tell you, Kate, Mark, I, I've been, um, one of my listeners pointed this out to me recently. Last June 12th, I made a resolution to try to go one year without having a French fry because they were becoming a problem for me. I was just not able to exercise willpower on them. And uh, I'm almost there and I've done it. uh, Right, We're we're like a month away. And um, a guy from Israel called into the show uh, like a week or two ago and said, I decided to do it with you because I invited my followers on Twitter to do it with me. And he said, I've been doing it and I'm successful. And what are you going to give up this June 12th? And I've been thinking about it ever since. I like the idea of like, as opposed to January 1st, I'm just going to make June 12th my day where like for a year, I decide like, what could I do? 
It's a, it's a test of willpower. And I, I feel like originally I was like, I'll give up the pantry. <laughs> I want to ask your opinion on what I should give up. But like everything you just listed is all over my pantry. I don't think I'd be able to avoid it. And everybody out there is in the same boat, Kate. So what what do they do? How do they avoid it? It's in bread. It's in cracker. It's in everything. So actually on my website, I have a shopping list that helps people find alternative products that don't have seed oils. And one of my favorite companies is actually founded by Mark. That way, that way. And uh, because he uses uh, avocado oil in especially like mayo and the dressings, right? Because when you're eating healthy, you don't want your salad dressing or the, you know, the sauces that you put on your healthy vegetables or your healthy meals, you don't want that to be full of toxic fats. And most people have no idea that that's actually what they're doing because, because, you know, most of the sauces that are come in jars and most of the condiments are just made out of the cheapest possible stuff that the companies uh, can find, which is always going to be the hateful eight oils. So, um, yeah, so, so you can find more and more products. It is possible, but you have to know what you're looking for. You have to know, uh, to do this, you have to know to do it, right? Like that's the, the first yeah. step is you yeah. need to know you need to do this. The second step is to follow Megan and decide that you're going to do it with her because if she can do it, you can probably do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, so remember, <laughs> okay, you like unrefined, you like unrefined, you don't like anything that says hydrogenated or any of those hateful eights. Don't go for hydrogenated, go for unrefined. We're going to take a quick break, but for the people who are just you know, listening to this right now, can you give me the website? Cause they're going to want to know. DrKate.com, D-R-C-A-T-E.com. And then just go to the, the search bar and uh, type shopping. Cause you'll, okay. you'll find it that way. That's very helpful. Excellent search bar. Uh, within an hour and a half, I will be doing this. And then Mark's got some thoughts too, not just on diet, but on su- the supplements that may make sense for you when it comes to metabolism and to uh, me- metabolic flexibility. I like that new term. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Mark, I've heard this before, but can you help us understand what does it mean to remove sugar and starches? Because it seems so hard. And I wrote, I just ticked down what I could remember of what you said. I'm going to go back and listen to it later. Pies, cakes, crackers, cereals, single tier. I love my crackers. I can, I can probably handle the rest. But I love my cracker. So what do you mean? Because removing sugar seems absolutely impossible. I never understand when someone's like, I gave up sugar. It's like, well, how? Well, it's pretty daunting for sure. And the truth is, you know, our brains are wired to seek out sweet things. So it's one of the reasons that we're attracted to fruit. For instance, fruit is sweet. And and, uh, by the way, uh, very enjoyable and very healthy in in the appropriate quantities. So I'm not advocating giving up fruit, for instance. But it's it's interesting. All of these things that we're going to talk about today exist on a spectrum of like really good to probably really terrible. Fats are a great example. You know, there are really terrible fats you want to avoid at all costs. And then there are really good fats that you want to incorporate in your diet because they're healthful and they taste great and they're satiating. 
Well, with, with sweets, uh, there's a similar sort of spectrum. So we want to get rid of, um, you know, the, the processed uh, sweeteners, the sugars, the, you know, table sugar. Um, agave is a great example of something that was sold as a, as a health food kind of thing. It's basically worse than high fructose corn syrup. We've all heard, oh my heard God. how bad high fructose, high fructose corn syrup is. Um, on the other hand, some amount of honey, because it's natural, is probably uh, fine for some people. So th- this idea of giving up sweets really has to kind of look more closely at what exactly it is you're willing to give up and, and what is uh, practical in the, in the context of an eating strategy that you're putting together for yourself. So, you know, getting rid of, of desserts would be a great first step for a lot of people. I always thought dessert was kind of a weird it's like the meal you eat after you've just eaten a meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it dessert has a pretty uh, devastating effect in most cases on, um, you know, on your insulin levels. So when you are trying to lose weight, one of the things you want to do is keep your insulin levels low because insulin is what locks fat into the fat cells. So that's one of the reasons that whenever you eat something that has carbs in it, whether it's starchy carbs, uh, whether it's, you know, bread or, or crackers, for example, um, it'll tend to cause your insulin to go up and insulin is there as a, uh, an, a hormone that's intended to sequester nutrients into cells. So it'll open the cells up and try to try to put the glucose portion of that into, uh, into muscle cells, for instance, as glycogen. Um, but it'll also drive amino acids into, uh, other cells, which is protein, uh, but it'll also drive fat into, into cells if insulin is high. So you want to try and, and over time lower the amount of insulin you produce. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the amount of, of sugar that you take in. So uh, now, uh, sort of good news, you can buy some, some slash, uh, quote, keto, end quote, crackers. So there, you can get that crunchy, salty, fatty, sweet taste without- Writing that down. You know, yeah. No. <laughs> um, and, uh, so there are now analogs of some of these things that we're going to ask you to give up. Uh, and there are, there have been paleo desserts and keto desserts for years. I think it's a sort of an abomination at some point because a lot of times they, they use some of these ingredients that we're talking about avoiding, mm. but, if, but giving up, giving up sugar is, is the tough one for a lot of people. On the other hand, um, we're, we're not really addicted to sugar. People say they're addicted to sugar and, you know, I think that the definition of an addiction is something that if you don't get it, you'll go into, um, you know, a biochemical reaction that'll, you'll sweat, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll go into pain or whatever. That's a true addiction. So what we have in, in most cases um, is first of all, unlimited access to sweet things. They're everywhere. And then what I call a lack of impulse control, they're everywhere. And Oh my goodness, they're in the pantry or they're in the freezer. I've got frozen chocolate in the freezer or I've got, one of the best things you can do for yourself is do what we call a pantry purge and just go through and, and take away that temptation, which isn't to say that you should go hungry or that you should suffer or you know feel like you're sacrificing um, enjoyment of your life in pursuit of this better eating. No, it's just to find things that will replace those um, that are more healthful for you. Okay, we have to talk about the replacements. I mean, I will say right now with young children, this sounds impossible. You know, they, you know, you know, right? Like, you know what's on my shelf without even me telling you because I have an eight 
11 and 12 year old and not to mention what's in my freezer. And I know we could say, well, get rid of the ice cream or get rid of the chocolate chips or get rid of the cookies. It's like there would be a full on revolt in my house if I. (laughs) Okay, so we'll get to that. But but how does somebody start that? Because you say stop with the dessert. That's a good place to start. You know, there are a lot of people who are like, I can't do that. Like, I need it. I need it. So to that person, what does that person do tonight when the habit is there to eat the dinner and then have the dessert? And now it's go time. You ate the, d- the dinner and all the instincts inside of you are kicking in like, now it's my time for my treat. What do they do? Well, th- there are a number of strategies. One of, th- one of them would be um, to recognize that um, it's human nature to see what we can get away with, right? So we... We, we, we see how, you know, how much of this meal can I eat and not gain weight? Um, how much food can I eat in a day and not gain weight before mm-hmm. the wedding in three months? What's the biggest piece of dessert that I can eat and not feel like a glutton, uh, you know, or, or be d- uncomfortable? So we, we come at it from, from a what can I get away with perspective rather than how much of this is going to satisfy the sweet tooth. And so the, the first thing I would say to some people is, you know, you get served a giant piece of cheesecake and your brain is going, well, that's a serving. So it's not like I'm having two servings. I'm having a serving, even though it's a, you know, a cheesecake factory, 1800 calorie piece of <laughs> piece of it. Um, I would say, you know, take the first bite and enjoy the hell out of it and love it and, and savor it. And then take the second bite and recognize that it's great, but it wasn't as good as the first. And usually with most desserts, by the time you get to the third or fourth bite, you go, you know what? I got it. I got the sense. I got the sweetness. From this point on, I'm just having, having a contest with myself to see whether I'm a glutton or, or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, first thing would be just cut back and just see if you can limit yourself to two bites or three bites of, of ice cream or something like that, or mm-hmm. whatever it is that's, that's your poison. Um, it's so much easier, though, to just say, um, if I have room for dessert, then I have room for another lamb chop. So I'll skip the dessert and have another lamb chop or another chicken wing or another, you know, whatever, whatever it is you had for, for dinner that's actually providing protein um, and some form of healthy fat and some, in the case of a chicken wing, some, some uh, collagen, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, that's the way I would approach this. And that's when I said it's, you know, the good news, bad news thing. The bad news is you have to do the work. That's part of the work. The good news is you can find things. I mean, my, uh, my, the favorite dessert that my wife ever serves people when we have a dinner party uh, is, is mixed berries with mascarpone cheese and whipped cream. So it is berries, which I say are tart fruits, which I'm allowing as, a, as a, um, something to address your sweet tooth. And the mascarpone uh, and, the, um, and this whipped cream together with a little bit of lemon zest, it's unbelievable. So people say it's the best dessert they've ever had when they come to my house. And these are people who are used to pies and cakes, everything else. So there are some substitutes, some alternatives that will address the sweet tooth part of you mm-hmm. without having you say, oh, I have to give up the rest of my life and I can't, you know, I can't, I can't enjoy food ever again. No. And Kate will agree with me on this. I mean, we, Kate and I eat like kings and queens. I enjoy every bite of food I put in my mouth. So I, it's not like I'm ever feeling like I'm sacrificing. I just choose foods that are A, good for me, and B, I know I'm going to love and love the taste of. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you prepare them right with the right sauces, dressings, toppings, that's why I started my company, Primal Kitchen. Um, you know, I, if I'm, if I'm going to make a giant salad, I don't want to ruin it with canola oil or soybean oil or any of that other stuff. I want to, I want to enhance 
the experience of the, the flavor of it with the dressing. And I want to enhance the healthfulness of it with the dressing. So you can have, you can have both of those. I was going to say you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, but you cannot. I will say just for anecdotally, sometimes it helps me to avoid because my kids love dessert. My husband loves dessert. And I also occasionally like dessert. But if I just go for like a tea, uh, I like this apple cinnamon tea that it's, you know, you just put it in. It doesn't need milk and doesn't need sugar. Um, it seems like a treat and it's something warm and it takes a while uh, and it keeps you sort of away from them while they're eating their treat. You know, like the, that moment that you're most vulnerable when everyone's unwrapping their their popsicle or, you know, spooning in their ice cream. So for whatever that's worth, Kate, I know you share the aversion to refined flowers, refined flowers. But I have to tell you what I don't even know what that means. And I feel like I've been fairly exposed to this world. But even I sitting on like bread. I mean, what is what what does that look like? Flour. So whether it comes from wheat or spelt or uh, any other kind of uh, thing that's been pulverized into a fine powder, that is something that is very processed. And because of that, it has almost no nutrition and it's pretty much empty calories. But you're correct in that I, I do tell people to be aware of these things, but I don't tell people that they have to avoid them 100%. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in the all or nothing camp. It's not like having a little bit of something sets your metabolism back in some kind of, you know, horrible way. No, it's those uh, both refined sugars, which basically just means, you know, table sugar, something that's like granulated sugar uh, or something that is basically pure sugar, like corn syrup or agave nectar, the things that Mark was listing, um, brown sugar, all of those sugars are, are basically mostly empty calories because they're so processed and they're so, so like addicting because they, they raise our blood sugar and they're addicting in a way that you're, that, that we haven't talked about yet, but that gives you energy. Um, there's a metabolic addiction that does happen when uh, your body's, when you've been eating seed oils. So there's, there's a lot that I just said that I want to unpack a little bit. So first of all, um, I, I say, you know, you can have granulated sugar. You don't have to do funny things where you like, you have like some sort of date paste instead, or, you know, um, floral honey from, from uh, anointed, um, bees, you know, in the Himalayas. you can, you can have like sugar is sugar. Once you've digested and broken it down and it's gotten into your bloodstream, it's identical at that chemical level. Your body can't tell the difference, but you want to get a handle on how much you're having because it's so easy to overeat the stuff. And, um, so you want to like, you know, plan it ahead. And to answer your question of how do you deal with this? Like, how do you control sugar? How do you make it so that you're in control of how much sugar you eat, not whatever you've happened to have in the cupboards or even your children who want you to keep stuff in the cupboards. Um, and, and the answer is there are two strategies. And Mark, you did a great job of summarizing one of the two strategy, strategies, which is like the mindset, right? Your mindset uh, about, uh, you know, focusing on dinner, right? Like what I do to myself is I look forward to dinner and I know we're going to have a good dinner. And I'm like all about the dinner. If I was, if just imagine what it would be like if I was like, I just want to breeze through dinner so I can get to something sweet tasting for dessert. That's my eight-year-old's approach to life. That's what that's, you just outlined his entire nutritional approach. 
<laughs> and that's how like probably 90% of Americans think about dinner. It's like something we have to get through so that we can eat the ice cream that we really mm-hmm. are, you know, really wanting Like get, get, get through all this stuff. Sure. Yeah. I like burgers. Sure. I like pizza, but really what I want is cookies. So that is, you have that because you've been thinking that way for so long. So it's ingrained in your mindset. It's a habit, but you also have a metabolic problem there. And that's the whole other strategy that, um, that like, I think is the most important part of what is why I wrote the book, the fat burn fix, because there's a lot going on with our metabolisms because of these seed oils that makes our brains need sugar. So we are addicted, not just to the taste which is what everyone knows. It's addicting taste. You need, you have a little sugar, you want a little more sugar. It's like any other drug. And that is all true. But the, the other part of this, that is so important to understand your relationship with food is that if you have too much seed oils in your body fat, which every, everyone does, unless you've been avoiding them, you are, your brain thinks that sugar equates to energy because your brain does not trust your body fat. Your brain says, I don't want anybody to be burning body fat. Cause when that happens, I don't, I feel bad. And so that your brain now equates sugary things with energy. And that makes it very hard for willpower to use your willpower to control how much you're eating. So you have to get mm. to that underlying metabolic cause and understand how to handle that. And, and that's where the healthy fats are key and knowing, learning how to build meals meals that sustain your energy. So you don't want to snack and healthy fats is one big piece of it. But the other big piece are kind of like the, the complicated carbohydrates or the, the high glyce- the low glycemic index carbohydrates, the, the starchy foods that are not refined things like beans, uh, starchy vegetables, a kind of bread that is made the old fashioned way, the way they used to do in the Bible days, called sprouted grain bread. They don't make, make it out of flour. You, you can, can make get that. You without... can get that at, I think, Whole Foods, right? Was it a Dave's? I'm trying to yeah. remember. It's you, it, They freeze it. Ezekiel. 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 That's it Ezekiel is. is the best. Like Dave, Dave makes a, Dave has a brand too, but uh, I, I've tested people's blood sugars after they eat Dave's and after they eat Ezekiel and it's oh. better with Ezekiel because what happened, Ezekiel is just more uh, pure sprouted grain, whereas Dave seems to have some more flour in it or something and it spikes your blood sugar. And that spiking of blood sugar is not a good thing because every time you spike your blood sugar over a certain level, you're exposing all your tissues and your joints to too much sugar. And it basically, it's like sugar in your joints is like rust in an engine. It, it, mm. it, uh, it makes them sticky and it's the last thing that you want. So, um, so spiking your blood sugar is bad, but it doesn't mean you have to give up bread or all starchy carbohydrate things. It just means you want to eat those that your body breaks down more slowly. So I call them the slow digesting carbohydrates because the technical term is low glycemic, but that doesn't really mean anything. So slow digesting things that break down slow, like beans, actual beans, um, you know, carrots, uh, those have some carbon in them too, not potatoes because they are so that we, we bump our blood sugar pretty quick with those, but pretty much every other like whole food that's a little bit starchy breaks down very slowly in in your body. And it's a a great way to sustain your energy between meals. That's what I was Mm. getting at. It really helps you not snack. You have to know all the strategies to not want to snack because, um, there's when your metabolism is 
is like refusing to burn your body fat. You really have to build meals in a smart way so that you don't get that hangry between meals. Hangry is an example of how you feel because your brain is addicted to energy, the energy and sugar and can't use your body fat. Hangry mm. is an abnormal metabolic state. And, and that's why I teach people how to get rid of that hangry feeling. What are you going to do? What are you going to eat step-by-step? Because it's, it's quite a, uh, it, it takes a bit of learning really to be yeah. able to get to that point where you can finally lose weight effortlessly. Now, this reminds me of her comment, Kate's comment, uh, Dave, about, uh, Mark, about, uh, you know, just, it, you can have some sugar, just make sure it's small. Um, I read that you start your day with some French press, heavy cream in your coffee. Same, by the way, I heard that trick, that trick, and I love it. And monk fruit sweetener. So now are you embarrassed that you're having monk fruit sweetener instead? <laughs> no, and, I, you know, I sometimes I use monk fruit. Sometimes I use a, uh, a teaspoon of, uh, of table sugar. Ooh, you know, that, <laughs> like, devil. As, as, as Kate said, it's it's one of these things where it's not about um, it's not a, it's the, it's the dose that makes the poison. Right. And a little yeah. bit of sugar isn't going to derail you um, and it's not going to put you, you know, your, your metabolism out of kilter. I have a real issue with grains. It was probably the most revolution revo, revolutionary thought that I had 25 years ago. It changed my life entirely when I realized that that my my arthritis that I had, my my uh, IBS, my irritable bowel syndrome, my my getting sick many times a year was largely due to my intake of of grains. Um, I was mm-hmm. a marathoner and triathlete, and so I, I was always looking to take in extra carbs before I knew um, how inflammatory my diet was. Mm. And through the years I was taking in bread and pasta and cereal and beer and, you know, all, all forms of carbs that came from grain. And, and when I finally eliminated the grains, everything that had been bothering me in my, in terms of my health cleared up, went away. So wow. I realized, um, number one, how antithetical grains are to actual health. And the fact that the U S department of agriculture had listed them, as the preferred fuel source with six to 11 servings per day at the base of the food. I, know. I found that we've been horrible. misled. I got to squeeze in a quick commercial, but I want, I, we have to talk about grains because that's like all the rage. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula for when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken and white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Mark, we left off at grains. And I know you're a big fan of keto. Um, some of our viewers, we asked some of the folks on Twitter to, to weigh in, like, what do you, what questions do you have? And one of our guests wrote in, uh, this is from Nathan, one of our um, 
fans. High fiber diet, yay or nay, Mediterranean diet versus keto. You're a big fan of keto and not of grains. So go on. Well, uh, so, so I'm a fan of keto. I employ the strategies of keto once in a while. I don't in, engage in a regular ketogenic diet because to be frank, I like eating food. I like eating a variety of foods. So some of the <laughs> things that would not be allowed on a ketogenic diet, I want to consume them once in a while. And so I do. Uh, grains, in my estimation, uh, and there's been a lot of written about, about how antithetical grains can be to health. They're, they're basically a cheap source of calories uh, for most people around the world. And you know, when people don't have access to food of any kind, grains can be a lifesaver. For us in the United States, we have access to much more healthful foods. So grains, I mean, I refer to them as beige glop that you have to put stuff on Mm -hmm. to make it taste great. You know, if you have dry toast, isn't that great? You got to put jam on it or or butter. Uh, A bowl of spaghetti with nothing on it is not that appealing. You got to have the marinara sauce or whatever. And I just say, why don't you just order a bowl of the marinara sauce? Mm. Um, so, So, you know, having said that, you know, the smell of a yeasty bread coming out of the oven is pretty appealing. So once in a while, um, even though I, I keep bread and, and other grain products out of my diet for the most part, and once in a while, I'll have a couple of tastes, a couple of bites of bread with a lot of butter on it um, because I want that experience. So this is it's a it's a it's a situation where, you know, you, you craft the ideal diet for for you which includes what's best for you in terms of food you know that you should not be eating, but also to, you know, to include a variety of foods that you want to try and you want to taste, make your, make your life enjoyable. I mean, yeah. as I said earlier, every bite of food I eat, I want it to taste fabulous. I don't want to, you know, if you made me a kale salad with, with, you know, lemon juice dressing on it and said, this is the most healthful thing you could eat, Mark. I'd say, no, no, thanks. Take it away. Oh, thank you. All right. So let's talk. I've been, I've teased the audience long enough. Let's talk about your, what you eat in a day. I talked about your coffee in the morning. Can you just spend 20 seconds on why heavy cream? Just makes the coffee taste a little bit better. It's, it's full fat. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, of consuming an appropriate amount of saturated fat. So it's a great way to start the day with a little bit of a dollop of fat, if you will, in my yeah. coffee. Um, it's just the right taste combination for me. Again, I want to enjoy that cup of coffee. Um, for lunch, um, you know, I typically have um, some kind of fish, usually, um, just for variety, I'll have salmon, uh, or tuna or tuna sashimi, a little bit of vegetables. I become less and less uh, enamored of vegetables. We can talk about what that, what that looks like in the context of fiber, for instance. Um, and then for dinner, I'll usually have a steak or I had lamb chops last night with steamed broccoli, glass of red wine. I'm very happy camper with that kind of a eating. So strategy. there's no starch because, you know, the, the traditional American dinner plate has a protein, a veggie and a starch, you know, whether it's rice or couscous or a little bit of pasta or something, right? Like, yeah. are you getting, so to people who worry, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be full enough with just a pork chop and some broccoli. What say you? Well, first of all, the, the, the pork chop, uh, with its fat and protein content is very satiating. It's, it's probably all most people would need to be, to be, when you say full, you don't need to, to add a layer of potatoes or rice or anything like that onto that. And the vegetables can take up space as well. And it's, it's a little bit of fiber, but I'm in that camp right now that I don't think you need that much fiber. I think the reason that your microbiome works well um, is because you're feeding it the right sorts of substrates. And so, for instance, if, if you're a carnivore, you'd say, well, how do these people even go to the bathroom, right? How do they even have a bowel movement? Well, because their microbiome, the bacteria in their gut, 
do very well on the um, uh, gelatinous material in the in the steak they're eating or in the animal protein they're eating and can convert those into the uh, short chain fatty acids that they need. So you don't really need fiber and you certainly don't need this, co- this concept of scouring your colon with fiber. That's long. <laughs> been Wait a minute. So talk to me about the wine, because I saw something about, I didn't actually understand the note dry farm wine selection. What is, what's that? Well, it's a uh, dry farm wines is a company that provides, uh, a uh, curated uh, wines from around the world. Um, I didn't mean to do an advertisement for them, but that's that's who I use. Same. They, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there are there are companies like them who will find wines that are old country, old growth wines that don't have any sugar in them. So most American wines have a lot of sugar. Some wines in the yeah. U.S. have more sugar than Coca Cola. Yeah, we my my find- doctor just reminded me. He said, "You and your husband share a bottle of wine at night. That's like having a bottle of grape juice." Remember that. Bingo, bingo. Well, it doesn't have to be because there are there are a lot of wines from around the world, um, mostly not the U.S. that have uh, no like less than a half a gram of sugar per bottle. Mm. Uh, that mm. have none of the additives that are allowed in the U.S. So none of the sort of um, histamine. Um, yeah, and uh, they're you know, good. Teary-eyed. They're fantastic. I prefer oh. them now to the old, big, thick, fat, chocolatey, leathery California calves that I used to eat. Mm, right? so, okay. so they were so thick, I used to eat them. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so I, I enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. I mean, I, again, I want to enjoy my meal. I want to enjoy everybody the food I eat. And I, and I craft my eating strategy around long periods of not eating where I'm living my life and not worrying about missing a meal or, or the energy that I might get from that meal because I have all the energy I want. And then when I sit down to a meal, I'm like very thankful, very grateful, um, tastes great. It's one of the better experiences of my day. Now, I know, Kate, you say don't buy. We've heard like the fat free thing was nonsense. But I but you say don't buy low fat. Don't buy low cholesterol. Don't buy fat free food. Don't buy skim milk. Like all the stuff that's had the fat taken out of it was wrong. Exactly. And, and uh, they do that so that they can kind of sell you the fat back to you twice. Like they make money twice, right? They sell you the skim milk and the skim, skim yogurt. That's got extra sugar in there. Sugar is very cheap, but, um, to make ice cream and cream and those kinds of confections that where you really need butter, that they want to keep that to, to use that separately. But it, it also, it helps make you hungry all the time so that you're more likely to snack. So it really benefits the food companies in multiple These ways. bastards. Yeah, they, it's a yeah. They been they they get you coming and going. They're really good at that. Um, I wanted to just touch a little tiny bit on on grains. Like I, I don't th- I don't think anybody's really saying that grains are toxic. It's just that they're easy to overeat. And um, I actually use flour to to make one of the most delicious liver dishes. Ever. I'm actually, I, I'm lying. I don't do it. My husband does it. Um, and he dredges the liver in uh, flour and it just comes out so unbelievably good. I, I never thought I would actually look forward to a meal with liver, cow no, liver. In that it. is one part That's of the Kate part. Shanahan plan that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do it because Kate loves four things. She loves meat on the bone, organ meats, hello liver, fermented and sprouted foods and fresh uncooked ingredients, you know, raw. She says those are inflammation fighters and antioxidants. I can do that. I can do, you know, raw vegetables, but like organ meats, Kate, come on. How are we supposed to do that? Yeah, it takes some dedication, but if you really, if you literally can't do it, then you can get a pretty similar nutrient profile from 
egg yolks, if the eggs are like pasture raised and, you know, were free ranging. So they were eating like a normal chicken diet with like including okay. some bugs and some fresh greens and stuff like that, not just the grain stuff. But, um, but there, there are so many liver recipes out there that like liver and onions, when you do it right, it's actually really good. So that's why I say you have to kind of want to, cause you're going to try it a few times and there's all Does kinds it smell of up the house. Um, is it disgusting? Like the first time or you're like, ew, I'm not going to be able to do it. Or is it like, actually this is getting a bad rep. Yeah. It's a really good question. It has almost no smell. Like it's the only thing that's smelly about it is like what you coat on it, right. Or what you put it in or mm. the bacon that you're cooking it with, or the, the onions yeah. that you're caramelizing mm. or charring. And what do you so ask the, the butcher for? The smell what, what do you, issue. what do you order? It, How do you get liver? Oh, we go, I go to a kind of a small little farm store where they have grass fed cows and it's, they're sold frozen in a pack. Like, so when you thought it's, it's always like there, they're like, yeah, no problem. We have tons of it, Kate. <laughs> yeah. It's it, because, well, you know, it's, if you think about it, the cows have livers, right? So they don't want to throw them out. Um, so, and if there's a farm that is nearby, they got to sell those livers. They want to sell every part. They want to make money off of every single part yeah. that they can. But I know, so, I know you also say you can try, you can do the liver pate, which actually is somewhat stomachable. So there, if the, you like the organ meat. And can you talk for a minute about um, meat on the bone and bone marrow? I When I was in France recently, that was an order. You could order bone marrow. I'm like, what is that? I, I know people, this is a trend now, but why do people want to eat bone marrow? So there are the four things that you talk about, Megan, um, are, I call them the four pillars of the human diet because they're common to every single traditional cuisine around the world. And they include the, the fresh food and the fermented and sprouted food and the meat on the bone and the organ meat. So the meat on the bone, let's break that down because meat on the bone provides you something that's really good for your skin, for your hair, for your nails and your joints. It gives you collagen and a whole bunch of other stuff that only come from uh, when you take an animal and you boil its uh, joint material or its skin, it, it releases these very special compounds that are basically missing from the American diet. Um, they're including collagen peptides. People have heard of collagen now, but uh, glucosamine and glycosaminoglycans, those are other chemicals that you get when you make just good old fashioned like chicken soup where you include the the bones, the tendons, the skins, you know, when you have a chicken, hmm. say, for example, that white stuff on the ends of the bones and the like the wiggly white ligaments and tendons. The and gross stuff. It is full of nutrition. You, and so you're saying when you go to the access. grocery store, instead of getting like the pre-trimmed chicken breasts that we all go for, because it seems like cleaner and easier, go for like the chicken legs, the thighs with the bones. Yes. And just bake them or fry them or, or just, you know, they, they actually taste so much better, just easy in prepared in easy ways because the breast has had the fat and the skin removed. And those things taste really great when you crisp them up and fry them up. And this fills your house up with this beautiful fried chicken smell mm. that, and those have extremely potent nutrients that help your skin, your hair, and your nails that are related wow. to collagen and they build your collagen. All of those things that I just mentioned, skin, hair, nails, and joints and bones, they're made mostly out of collagen. And the, the meat on the bone aspect of the four pillars helps fortify 
those collagen rich tissues. And there's no other way to do it because, uh, like, uh, I mean, you can take supplements, yes, but, uh, they are not as effective as the real thing. And it's kind of, that's why I say it's like a missing food group from the American diet. Cause we don't do that. We use bouillon to make soup. So don't do mm. that. Just mm-hmm. save the bones and, uh, and make your own chicken stock, or you can buy boxed bone stock now really easily. It's at every grocery store you can get from Amazon. It's a great deal at Costco. And that's mm. so much better as a base for your soup gives it so much flavor than just using water. And it's so much better for you than bouillon because the bouillon cubes to give yourself flavor, that's just chemicals in there. Mostly there's yeah. no nutrition. That's amazing. Okay. So that's meat on the bone. Got to do the organ meats, fermented and sprouted foods at least five times a week. You say that's yogurt. Obviously that's from, you say sprouted grains. We kind of talked about the Ezekiel bread that would, that would be uh, in there. Legumes, sprouted nuts and seeds, um, and then fresh uncooked ingredients. So just everybody's inflamed. I mean, everybody's inflamed. Maybe you two aren't, but like, I don't know a woman who at night when she's, putting on her nightgown or pajamas isn't like, why do I look 10 pounds heavier than I looked this morning when I got up, you know, and it's inflammation. And I don't know if, if I eat, if I do all these things that you're saying, am I not going to have that anymore? Or is that just being human? 80 to 90% of the inflammation and inflammatory problems people are suffering from is coming from these seed oils that were never in our food supply until we invented the factory processes for doing these. They were released into the food supply without any studies showing that they were like safe and the, the worst irony here is that the American Heart Association got money from a company selling one of the seed oils. So they actually decided to declare it as heart healthy. So mm. that's why these things have gotten a pass for so long because, and no one's really been talking about them or paying attention to them because we have been misled into believing that not only are they not toxic, they're actually the thing to go for. And that we've been misled into believing that these things are what we should eat instead of traditional fats like butter. And we've made lard a dirty word literally because of the American Heart Association and its relationship with these companies that gave them money to say seed oils were healthy, mm. but they, they, they should not have been released into the food supply without studies to first show that they were safe. And now what's happened is that we're all eating them. We are eating, we're getting 80% of your fat calories from these seed oils. So it's like we've been in a giant experiment without like our consent, like nobody told us we're in this experiment. And the experiment is what happens when you feed a population seed oils. What happens is you get inflamed and you don't feel like exercising. You overeat, you get fat, you get diabetic, and you develop all of these chronic diseases. 80 to 90% of the chronic diseases that I see every day when I see patients are related to inflammation, which comes primarily from all these seed oils. So it's, it's really like when you get them out of your diet, it's really the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, just reminding people that uh, Kate is, in addition to uh, being a biochemist and, and a nutritionist, is also a doctor and pr- practices uh, family medicine. So she sees patients and knows of what she speaks. Can I spend a minute on collagen, Mark? Because I know this is something that um, you've spent some time on too. And I, I just liked the look of these collagen supplements. I saw at this little inn. My husband and I went and stayed at. It had sort of the old-fashioned delivery look on the on the outside of the bottle. And then I never did anything with them. And um, we we have an advertiser that that sells collagen too. And and I wonder because I've heard both things. You know, like it's great, it's a game changer. And I've heard no, it's yet another sort of placebo effect kind of thing. What what say you? 
Well, what I say, uh, much like what Kate said, um, I've been referring to collagen as the fourth macronutrient for 10 years. Uh, you know, we, if we go back and look at that meat on the bone uh, picture that, that we all had, uh, basically in the last, in the 50s and 60s, um, we, grandma made uh, chicken stock or she made, she boiled uh, beef stock, made soups. Um, my mother used Knox gelatin. Uh, kids ate jello. So we actually had some source of these gelatinous materials, these collagen peptides in our diet. Um, and into the, even into the 80s and 90s. And then the 90s, the early aughts, people stopped eating jello because it was sugary and they stopped. I don't know anybody who takes Knox gelatin for their skin, hair, and nails now. Mm-mm. And so, and then we were eating the choice cuts of meat, right? Just the ribeye and just the, you know, just the porterhouse and the new, whatever. We weren't, we weren't consuming those parts of the animal that were providing. And by the way, we were eating chicken without the skin. Like, skinless, boneless chicken breast, which was the bodybuilding, you know, go-to for, for high protein. So all of this caused, I think, a generation of people who had severe issues with uh, cartilage, with ligaments and tendons. So you, you get ACL tears in, in professional sports, you get all these issues because we weren't giving the body the raw material we needed to repair the actual, the, the collagen parts of the body. You know, a collagen represents the predominance of the protein type in the human body. And we weren't giving our bodies the raw material. So with that in mind, I've been looking at collagen supplementation for the last 15 years. I mean, I fixed a severe Achilles tendon issue by supplementing with a lot of collagen every day. So I I had a personal experience with this. Um, So I think collagen is critical for for maintenance of the, the soft tissue, the connective tissue, the fascia, the ligaments, the tendons, the cartilage, the skin, hair, and nails. Uh, and so I, I supplement, personally, I supplement with collagen because I'm also one who I'd like to eat nose to tail, which is how you can mm-hmm. get collagen. But, you know, I'm averse to certain nether parts of that animal, just like yeah. you might be. Um, and so, um, and I don't think I get enough of it through eating chicken skin or, or you know, gnawing on the bones the way I used to as a, as a kid. Wow, that is so fascinating. So, does it matter the the form of the supplement? You know, because you can take like a powder. Yeah, you can like what? How do you do? Yeah, it? there's a lot. Sure, I mean, um, there's a lot of different. There are types of collagen: type one, type two, you know, type three. There and there are mixtures. Some is bovine, some is uh, fish based, um, some chicken based, and uh, and and as Kate said, you you also want glycosamine glycans and glycine and things like that. So some of the supplements have have all of these in them. Um, but they're basically collagen peptides. They're 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 um, they're amino acid peptides. So they're they're like two or three amino acids at a time bonded together that can pass through the gut barrier and get into the bloodstream and, and go where they need to okay. go. All right, and you're yeah. too you're too polite to say it, but I think we can get it at your website too. So can, tell us what that is because this is not uh, you trying to advertise. You weren't no, no, no. even going to mention well, it. I'll mention if it. You wanna, if you if you want some, uh, we at primalkitchen.com uh, we have. Uh, college, we, we sell collagen peptides in v- varieties. We have coffee creamers and, and just unflavored or flavored yeah. or whatever you want. Just, just make people's life easier. They, they've come yeah, to trust you. So exactly. it's like, they, you know, there's a lot of charlatans oh, out there. They never, they, they don't know. Wait, let me pause yeah. you there. Cause I want to get in a caller. Pam in Texas has a caller as a question uh, about MCT oil. And I have the same question. Hi, Pam. What's your question? Hi, I saw a Ted talk of a lady whose husband had Alzheimer's was in the beginning stages of it. And had the scan done, and it was just not good. And then he, she gave him 
MCT oil is more than it says in the bottle and coconut oil. And then months, months, months later, they went back and did another scan. And it was so improved that her unofficial recommendation is that you should incorporate that into your diet. She also talked about the ketones in your brain, why Alzheimer's happens with glucose and all that. So I don't know. Is that is MCT oil something that is uh, helpful to incorporate? Go ahead, Kate. You're the doctor. You actually get the exact same benefits from incorporating really any healthy fats at the and following uh, an otherwise healthy nutrient-dense diet. In fact, you get more benefits. MCT oil is just kind of high in a certain kind of a fatty acid that uh, if you're metabolically damaged, then you can sometimes, some people can get a little more energy from that, but it's nowhere near as effective as the whole program of just cutting out the nasty stuff, especially the seed oils, the excess sugar, and including all the healthy fats that you possibly can in your diet and also getting a good balanced amount of, of protein. So yeah, people will love to sell you supplements of all kinds of things just because there's so, such a high profit margin there, but you really want to be careful. And the collagen supplements is one of the few actual supplements that I do recommend myself. And in fact, I consult for a company myself uh, that sells collagen supplements, but that's, that's it. In terms of for me, for supplements, then the rest of your supplements should be vitamins and minerals because most mm. of it is total hype because most people would rather just say, here, take this supplement, then go through the whole spiel of what is an actual healthy diet? What are the hateful eight? How mm -hmm. much sugar should you have? And all this sort of thing. And, you know, you do, if you just get even just a tiny benefit from a supplement that gives you a lot of hope. So maybe that is a good thing. It's a fast way to get yourself motivated, but that's just the first of many steps that you can take in order to improve the health of somebody who is starting with early Alzheimer's or has any kind of a, any kind of a cognitive problem well, actually, because they're all related to inflammation. Kate, you touched on um, something uh, about, you know, people like doing these supplements. I, I was surprised to see one of your other recommendations is um, do not buy protein powders. It's like my entire morning smoothie that I make for my children is falling apart. We put MCT oil in there and we put protein powders in there. Now we do put spinach in there and a bunch of berries and some yogurt. So I'm with you. I think I felt like I felt like a good mother until we got to this last part. <laughs> well, we know there's this term that's come out in the past few years that I love. It's called ultra processed foods. And it's, they're starting to talk about how, okay, so we don't need to worry about cholesterol. We, we need to worry about how the food is processed and the ultra processing is the worst. And there are three major types of ultra processed ingredients, fat, which are the seed oils, protein, which is most of protein powders and carbs, which is refined flours and sugars. Those are ultra processed ingredients that make up ultra processed foods that everyone is now on board with the idea that these things are what's killing us and making us fat and making us mm -hmm. metabolically unhealthy. So yeah, so protein powders are just, they're ultra processed. The most of the nutrition is removed. We were never meant to have our protein pre-digested for us. It's basically pre-digested. So it will bump up your, your blood sugar, your blood, not your sugar, but your amino acid level in your blood, which has the same kind of detrimental effects as too much sugar in the bloodstream. Hmm. So protein powder is actually different from collagen powder because the way it's made and processed and the way your body processes it, there's dramatic differences. So that's why I, that's why I still can recommend collagen powder. Although I would much rather you make your own bone broth. Hmm. Um, 
and I'm not I putting totally that in the smoothie. <laughs> but the smoothie's already got yogurt, so I don't need to add protein. All right. I like this call. This is William from South Carolina, Mark, and he's got a question. Like a lot of the people who listen to this show live when it's on Sirius XM, uh, he's a trucker. And so, you know, he hears us in the in his truck and he's got a question about uh, about that. Hi, William. What's your question? Uh, yes. Um, thanks for taking my call. I just had I travel a lot. I go from South Carolina to California and back as an over the road trucker. And I just want to see if there's any suggestions on uh, trying to eat better and be a little bit healthier out on the road. And, but it's very tough. You know, all the ingredients that she, you know, you just can't can't make that in a truck. Uh, <laughs> see if there's any you know suggestions. <laughs> Um, it's a very good question. Well, William's not having luck finding Ezekiel bread uh, at the Motel 6 diner. Mark, what are we going to do for him? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a really tough one. I mean, I, I would say that access to healthy food is, is is a real issue for a lot of people and especially truckers. And I don't think the pilot, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the stops that you make are going to be providing a lot of this. So I think there's some work involved. I think it's going to it's going to be planning meals in advance and a lot of Tupperware. I mean, I hate to put it like that, but uh, alternatively, if you can find a steakhouse on the road and just go get a steak and a grilled vegetable and be done with it and not, you know, and, and, and forego the, the rolls, the basket of rolls, forego the baked potato and, and kind of fill in the, 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 the gaps there. If you are at a restaurant with a, with a decent piece of meat and a decent vegetable, um, you can cover a lot of ground with that. And then the other thing I'd say with truckers is whenever you can get out and walk, do it. Yeah, well, that's important. And we're going to we're going to talk about exercise and we're going to talk about the weight loss drug sweeping these sort of rich circles uh, that I've got a toe in. And I want to know more about this diabetes drug they're saying is going to be some sort of a cure all. Is it? Is it? Kate and Mark have answers right after this break. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula for when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Okay, before I forget, um, can you guys help me understand how this applies to children? I've referenced my kids. My assistant, Abby's worried about her kids. All my staff has kids. Like, does Do all these same rules apply to how we feed our kids, Kate? Nature likes to make it simple. So yes, what's good for you at one stage of life is good for you at every stage of life. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, in fact, the earlier you start with kids, the more benefits they get because it can potentially change things like how tall they will get, how strong and robust their joints are, whether or not they're going to go through puberty, like on time or even completely go through puberty. There's a huge, huge impact on the child's health. And um, so like, it's, it's really the more important, the earlier that you start mm. and it does get easier. It just has to, you know, you have to believe it yourself. You can lead by example. And then, um, you know, when, when children are, are, are given foods, actual really healthy foods that taste 
you know, interesting or new and you seem to like them in a positive kind of, you know, imagine the Italian family around the, the table, like, you know, try this. I, I worked all day making it that kind of a thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's one way that it makes uh, introducing new foods and healthy. Let foods me ask easier. you a follow up. I find breakfast is the hardest meal to get your kids to eat healthy at. Like my kids will, they'll have eggs. They like eggs. Two out of three, like yogurt and even plain yogurt, as long as you put enough berries in there, um, they'll eat it. Uh, and then we run out of really healthy options. You know, I don't, I haven't, they're not much into the Ezekiel bread. (laughs) Like if I made them do it with peanut butter, they might do it. But like, do you have any good breakfast suggestions for kids that are healthy? Well, there's like 87 different thousand different things you can do with eggs. And one of the things that kids might really love is make crepes. So crepes are a lot like pancakes, except they're mostly egg and just a little bit of flour to hold Mm. it together. But then you can put like a whipped cream in there with just a little bit of vanilla and a teeny bit of sweetener. And you're giving them plenty of healthy fats. You're giving them the protein and nutrients from the egg. And it's something like familiar and can play with that. And then there's all kinds of like paleo versions of pancakes too. And, and then there's like muffins that are made with more, uh, protein rich kinds of starchy elements. Like you can make muffins out of beans. You can make, um, what are those things called? Uh, savory, um, custards, right? You make custards. Mm. Custard is a really, you know, it's like pudding basically. Um, and a lot of kids, what you can make a sweet custard for a kid, or you can make a savory one for a more sophisticated palate. So there's a thousand and one things you can do with eggs. And, and then there's a lot you can do with a dairy too. Like you already started there with uh, putting yogurt and putting a little fruit on it, but you can bump up the, like the, the pleasure of it with, you can actually top yogurt with whipped cream. Why not just oh. put a very lightly, um, a lightly sweetened, uh, like a tiny little bit of sugar sweetener in the whipped cream and a little bit of vanilla because vanilla magnifies the, the natural sweetness that's already in there. Yeah. And oh, actually I did that for the, the Lakers. We had that at their breakfast buffet and it was just, it was a huge hit and then put other little things that, you know, kids like, uh, as out for them to top it with sort of like a, um, a, a Sunday bar, except, but with yogurt, or if they don't like yogurt, cottage cheese, or if regular yogurt is too sour, then use Greek yogurt. Mm, is this all in your book? Is this in the, the fat burn fix? Yes. I have okay, lots good. more ideas like that there. Good, good. Cause people are going to want to know. It's good to know. Um, Mark, let's talk exercise. Cause we got to do it. We got to do it. And I like the way you approach it. You say, look, forget everything. There are four essential movements you need to do. They're just four. Do these four and you're going to be in relatively decent shape. What are the four? So let's take a step back. This is in the absence of a gym or in the absence of a trainer or in the absence of uh, access to to weights. You can get a tremendous workout doing push-ups, pull-ups, planks, and air squats. Um, the planks are just, you know, that you're on your elbows on the ground with your, your body out straight. Um, and, and so that's, that's sort of like my vacation. Uh, there's no, there's no gym in the hotel routine. Right. And I can get a tremendous workout doing that. Um, but what I would say is with regard to exercise, look, all of the weight loss gains are going to come from how you orchestrate your eating strategy, your diet. Uh, um, a lot of questions about that. A lot of questions asking what's the percentage food versus cannot, exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot, you cannot exercise away a bad diet. That's sort of a mantra now. 
But also people shouldn't, for instance, count the calories that they burn in a workout. And these wearable devices that will tell you, oh, I played tennis and I burned 1,200 calories, it's BS. It's, there's, and there's no way that that's even an issue. And the fact that you did burn some calories, in, many, in many, many cases, if your diet is not right, you might go home and overeat. You might, yes. Your body might, your brain might have you overconsume carbohydrates, for instance, to make up for all the glycogen you burn because you weren't that good at burning fat. So if you train your body to become a good at, good at burning fat, that kind of goes away. But the strategy really is, is it's about movement. What we, what we want to do is we want to lose fat from the way we eat. And then we want to tone and we want to create, um, you know, range of mobility from our choices of exercise. So for that reason, I say everyone like walking is still the greatest thing ever invented for humans. Look, we're bipedal. We're supposed to walk. We're designed to walk. So we should walk as often as we, as we can. You, you want to jog, that's fine. You want to For run, that's long? fine. But as much as you can, I mean, you can walking a minimum of 45 minutes, three times a week would be a great start. Um, and then if you want to supplement that with getting on an exercise bike or a bike outside or swimming, all these low level aerobic activities are designed to keep your body moving. To, they're designed to make the, the fat metabolism improve by the throughput of these fat substrates. So that you do that, you burn that instead of the glycogen or instead of the carbohydrate. And then twice a week, do some kind of weight training. That's the four essential movements that I just talked about. Or it's going to the gym and throwing some weights around in the gym. Um, yeah. And then and then one once a week, I tell people you got to do something really all out. You got to sprint. And it could it doesn't have to be sprinting like running from something, but it could be 20 seconds of all out effort on a bike, uh, swimming. Uh, on a stairmaster, on an elliptical, whatever, whatever y- you want to do, do it 20 seconds hard, wait two minutes, 20 seconds hard, wait two minutes, and do that a couple of times because the body oh. really is designed to to like be in that sort of a fight or flight mode once in a while. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, because I do have a note. What does sprinting mean? I don't like I didn't understand. So you're saying at least once a week because the way you your short forms on these three main components of the primal blueprint for fit- fitness program, lift heavy things. Uh, three, two to three times a week, run really fast one time per week, move frequently at a slow pace, three to five hours per week. So the run really fast, you have sprinting, but it doesn't have to be sprinting. You're saying basically kind of interval training or I guess, yes. but go hard for 20 seconds, rest for two minutes, 20 seconds for, for a total of 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, that's it. And, and it sound, doesn't sound like that much, but if you do it right, you're pretty gassed at the end of that. Mm. And, and again, a lot of people who don't have, um, you know, their knees are kind of, um, um, broken down over the years or can't sprint, like can't can't run sprints. You know, you can do it on a bike. As I say, you can do it on an elliptical trainer. You can do it on an air, on an air dyne. You can do it, um, you know, there are lots in a pool for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very easy on your body. I like that a lot. And the the walking. So I see my cardiologist once a year because my dad died of a sudden heart attack at age 45. So I'm very conscious of my health, heart health and thank God I'm in good shape. But, um, I go once a year and I have a stress test and it's, you know, they put you on the machine and you run and then they, you have to lie down right at the end and they hook you up and they check all that. The, the cardiologist said, walk, 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 walk. Yep. He's telling me about somebody who was um, 65 years old who came in and her heart, her heart capacity was basically that of somebody half her age. And he, he said, what, what's the deal? And she said, I don't lift weights. I don't do anything. But every day. I walk around the reservoir in New York City, you know, the Jack, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis R- Reservoir. Um, and it'd probably take you about 25, 30 minutes to walk around the reservoir, not to mention what it takes to get there and get back home. And she said, that's all I've been doing since I was 25 years old. 
So for 40 years, that's what she's been doing. And she, he said she was off the charts in terms of her lung capacity and her heart health and all that. So good to know, like good old walking. As you point out, we were meant to do it. Do it. Yep. Doesn't take a lot. Point, I think the key point in what he said to you, your cardiologist said to you, is that the best exercise is the exercise that you enjoy because the, you can know all, all the things in the world about exercise, but if you don't do it, they're not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And there's really no wrong kind of exercise because your body benefits from every kind of exercise that, that there is out there. Uh, we just used to call everything that you know, described, Mark, the term probably sounds familiar, cross-training. Like we, we used to just say, yeah, do if you were a runner, make sure to do some lifting, maybe do some biking or swimming or something else, or actually play a sport. Most team sports are actually a great, like super, super form of exercise. Dancing is also an amazing form of exercise. And one of the things I want to just uh, point out is that when we're talking about diet and exercise, we talk about them like they're separately, but they, we really shouldn't do that because, um, diet supplies the raw materials to do what exercise just told your body that you need to do more of to build like the parts to do all of that. And so when you're walking, you're doing some cardio, you're helping keep your uh, cardiovascular system, building new blood vessels, keeping your heart healthy. When you're running, you're doing that times 10. When you're lifting heavy things, you're building muscle, you're making your bones stronger and more robust. So the two things are, they go hand in hand. And that's why we always talk about them together, but they, they really like the role of exercise is not so much weight loss. It's about building healthy tissues and being healthy Mm. and being able to just enjoy life. So exercise should always be fun. One of the things not on your list, Mark, is cardio bunny, you know, is do an hour of aerobics a day. And if that's, uh, if that's your, your thing, go for it. Um, I'm, I don't know much about cardio bunny. i I've uh, gotten away from the more uh, popular, you know, uh, uh, exercise du jour kind of kind of things. Look, as Kate said, any kind of exercise that you enjoy. And I came, I came, I was a trainer in the '80s when when uh, you know the aerobics movement became the big thing, and Jane Fonda basically transformed. Not just uh, Jane Fonda, Mark. Some of us <laughs> are out there doing our part in upstate New York as well. <laughs> Kathy Smith's a good friend of mine. She was there too. So, but yeah. you know, it, but it's, but that was amazing and it changed a lot of lives. Right. But then there's, there's the possibility that you can overdo that sort of thing, which brings us back to why walking is still the best kind of thing that you can do with regularity for the rest of your life. And, and I think that that's exciting because it's, it's not as daunting to think, well, geez, if, if, if longevity is what I'm after and mobility and all I have to do is walk. Are you kidding me? I don't have to go struggle and suffer and sweat and sacrifice and strain and get injured and all these other things. Yeah. To, to quote uh, that, you know, should have been Oscar winner, Santa Claus is coming to town. Just put one foot in front of the other. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> let's talk about. I got if, <laughs> if we want to say, forget all that. I'm not doing it. Better living through modern medicine. What are the options? Because I will tell you here in Connecticut, where I am, um, my friend, my hairstylist just told me this, that half of the women are on some diabetes drug that is supposed to be, you know, the new elixir when it comes to losing weight. It's, of course, very expensive. That's why I say it's like when there's well off circles. But Dr. Kate, what is it? And is it legit? Like, should we be trying to pursue? I'm trying to find the name of it. Uh, here. We govy metformin. That's all I have written down. 
Metformin has been with us for a long time. It's a diabetes drug that we uh, use to help poison the liver so it doesn't produce so much sugar, so it will lower your blood sugar. And then the newer drugs are, are uh, come from actually a, a lizard poison called the Gila Monster. <laughs> um, and uh, it's uh, they're in this category called GLP-1, and their names are like Trulicity, Bayetta, Ozempic. They're, most of them are injectable. You're going to have to give yourself a little subcutaneous shot once, uh, once a week or sometimes once a day. And they do help to lower your fasting blood sugar. Now, does that translate to weight loss? Not very much, if any. Like the studies actually show that you do lose some weight. Um, you do lose maybe the average person lost uh, in a in a study where they take the maximum dose of the newest one, which is this the Gila Monster type. Uh, maybe they would lose about two pounds in a year, maybe three. Some people gain weight. So it, it, you two know, pounds it's not in a really year. Answer. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's not really the answer. <laughs> no, it's not the answer. That's disappointing. Um, okay, so that's not as exciting as I thought. What about, okay, this is actually one of our listeners called in. Janelle from Texas has got an interesting question that we've also been buzzing about on the team. Hi, Janelle, what's your question? Hi, mine is about the fennel seed. I was told that fennel seed is good for anti-inflammatory. I have a lot of problems with my knees. I'm a diabetic also. All right. True or false? Fennel seed. Fennel okay. seed in the diet is, is good in terms of there's some nutrition in it because it's a spice. Uh, in terms of does it have special anti-inflammatory properties? No. Most of the inflammation that causes uh, arthritis is driven by everything we've been talking about in this show, like the, 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 the seed oils that have toxins, the empty calories and the lack of nutrition. So that's really the fundamental basis for treating any kind of inflammatory problem. But well, is it, it what's easier taking this supplement, which I happen to sell off my website or explaining everything, right? So nine times out of 10, the answer for some kind of anti-inflammatory supplement is going to be it's, just eat the food. If you like fennel, you're going to get more benefits from that than you will from some pill that claims to okay. have fennel in it, which probably has some fennel at the max, right? Maybe it could be anything. Okay. So most Abby, of the cancel the fennel order. Thanks a lot, Canadian <laughs> Debbie. She got us all excited about this yesterday. Uh, okay. Let's go to, Anne. she's also in Connecticut. Uh, she's got a question that I think will be good for you, Mark. What's your question, Anne? Hi. Hi. Um, it's actually first a comment, more of a comment. In 2018, I picked up Mark's book, The Keto Reset Diet, oh. because I always am looking for ways to feel better, have more energy. You know, I'm 57 and right around 50, I thought, you know, I could put a little more effort into it. And it was hugely intimidating, but I just knew there was something to it. And I kind of want to say to the audience listening it's really hard to get started eating healthier, but it is so much better. And once you know this stuff, you can't unknow it. So you go through the supermarket and you re start reading labels and you just put it back and say, I know this is bad for me. Why am I going to put it in my cart and pay for it? Mm. So I want to thank Mark for his book. I mean, we, my, I dragged my husband along and we did keto for over a year and then it got really boring to go out to dinner with friends. <laughs> so we sort of left being so strict because it is really hard. But the way I eat now is so much better. And it's, it's just a habit. It's That's not awesome. saying I don't fall off the wagon, but 
it is so worth it to just take control of what you're putting in your body and you feel better. All right, and I got to wrap you because we got to we only have a short time left. Um, Mark, your thoughts on keto to close it out because it's very popular, but there is a question about whether it's sustainable. No. So Anne had a, had like the ideal um, consummate experience, which was it worked for her and then she, it got boring for her. The book that she's talking about is called The Keto Reset Diet. It's about using keto, a keto strategy to reset your metabolism, to develop this metabolic flexibility. And now she's at a point where she doesn't need to eat keto, but she needs she, she knows what to eat. She knows how to read labels. She The good news is she knows what to do. The bad news is if she falls off the wagon, she knows what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. Right. Okay, let me ask you a a quick follow-up question, though, um, on on the meds. Is there a supplement, so not fennel seeds and maybe not those other things, the diabetes things, but is there a supplement that helps with appetite control, anything like that, or is it just back to see the beginning of our discussion about eating better to curb hunger? You got to do the work. And there's no shortcuts. You can't hack your way around this, really. It's like there, there are no pills. Uh, that work. There are lots of pills. There are no pills that work. You you have to do the work, but the good news is the work is easy if you understand it. And hence Kate's book and my book. Once you and and what Ann commented about, once you understand what's going on, then you know what to do. I want everybody to become an intuitive eater. I don't want anyone to say, well, what would Mark do or what would Kate say? I want you to become an intuitive eater as okay. a result of this metabolic flexibility. All right, last question. What should I give up? On June 12th, I'm going to ask you both that. Kate, I'll start with you. What should I give up for this, just to try for a year, starting June 12th? Seed oils. And if you don't know where to start with that, then the most fattening food, as according to Harvard, is French fries. Uh, they are ah. saturated with seed I oils. And the worst type. Yes. <laughs> Good guess. Good guess. Okay. So that was the worst. And then, okay, Mark, and what, what do you think I should give up? Because my audience may come along with me for this ride. Well, I mean, I would say I would have said seed oils from the beginning of this whole conversation. Um, and and I would say that. Um, so the biggest issue is going to be when you dine out, like every great restaurant, which has great cuts of meat, great produce, they destroy it with soybean oil and all kinds of other stuff that they put in the sauces and the dressings. So that's really where I'd watch out for everything. What do you do about uh, that? You ask them, can, can you cook it in butter? Uh, if it's a salad, can you just do some oil and vinegar, some olive oil and, and vinegar? Um, you know, there's some ways around that, but you got to be really careful because restaurants are pretty insidious for a lot of people trying to avoid seed oils. Okay. And then, mm-hmm. and then desserts. I mean, you got to, this thing about your kids having ice cream, I don't want to criticize your parenting, but no, it's, go, go it, for it. It, you know, but at some point, I, I think if you could replace some of those with, with sweet, um, healthier choices, uh, and then you, you make those choices yourself and your husband as well. Um, and set, by example, sort of reduce the amount of dessert in your life. That would be the big thing for me. Like like dessert twice a week, not more than that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. You guys, you are awesome. We have to do this more often. I I, I was like, how are we going to fill two hours? Now I'm like, we need two more. This wasn't enough time. Thank you both so much, Kate and Mark. All the best. Buy their books, support them. They're trying to help us all. And uh, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today and all week. uh, We are lining up some great shows for you next week, including one with Dinesh D'Souza by Popular Demand. He has a new documentary out called 2000 Mules that's getting a ton of attention. So you requested him, we'll provide him. Uh, Download The Megyn Kelly Show on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, and Stitcher in the meantime so you don't miss it. Also at youtube.com slash Megyn Kelly and stay tuned because next week could be the week we find the Supreme Court leaker. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. 
Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.